to be able to respond to any number of emergency, you have to be prepared for them. Every organization, I would expect they have some sort of emergency preparedness plan and looked at the potential business impact and conducted some level of training. Welcome to the RAIN podcast series on security with Brian Lynch. Today's podcast is about business resiliency using communications, emergency preparedness, and response. Brian's guest is Terry Mock, Chief Strategy Officer at Rave Mobile Safety, a critical communication and collaboration platform. Let's listen. Today I have the pleasure of having as my guest Terry Mock, who is the Chief Strategy and Marketing Officer for Rave Mobile Safety. And as we will be discussing business resiliency through emergency preparedness and response. I want to welcome Terry to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's good to be here. Terry, we were speaking the other day about the increased risks we have seen in the past two years or so, not only involving COVID-19, but in violent crime, et cetera, across the nation, and frankly, across the world, uh, obviously with the uh, the Russian-Ukraine war. Uh, let's start by talking about those risks and the importance of emergency preparedness and response for companies. Sure. As you mentioned, uh, today's threat landscape is full of challenges. Uh, we, all of us are kind of combating and coming out of COVID with a focus diverted from uh, pandemic response to more to business resiliency and business continuity. And of course, the consideration of like the shift back to the office or hybrid or remote work. Um, so that's caused, uh, the whole pandemic has caused significant amount of mental health stress and burnout. So that's clearly one of the uh, considerations for many businesses today. And then you mentioned also a rise in threats and disruptions from more frequent and intense weather hazards to escalations in disruptive events such as cyber attacks or supply chain interruptions to, um, I think we've seen an increase in mass shootings and acts of violence. So combined you know, with these types of hazards and threats, there's certainly a need for emergency preparedness and response these days. So I would agree with you that um, the need to reconsider you know, employee safety, training, um, and, and reviewing those operational plans and preparedness plans is something we should be uh, considering more. Yes, and I heard you say uh, in the past that the emergency preparedness and response plans and training and the infrastructure around that for companies supports not only the company's operations, but most importantly, their employees, right? Yeah, I mean, that duty of care to your employees is paramount. As you're running your business, you know, your key resources are your people, your assets, and your operations, and all of these come into play, making sure that, you know, your employees are feel safe at work um, and that, you know, the your operations are um, running as smoothly as possible. Uh, all of those are aspects of being prepared for any sort of emergency or crisis. So having 
noted all of the issues and the threats and the risks that are out there, uh, as you uh, rightly pointed out before. In in support of your clients, uh, having said all that, what keeps you up at night? What specific area uh, gives you cause for pause? Well, really, when we talk with our customers uh, running their businesses and operations, they're concerned about many of these types of threats. Um, it includes from day-to-day medical types of emergencies that can happen if someone got injured on a location to cyber attacks, you know, whether the uh, security protocols are understood by all, if there's a breach, to any number of measures in terms of um, something as terrible as, as an active shooter um, to just more severe weather types of uh, incidents if you need to consider hurricanes, tornadoes. So I think in this, you know, as companies and businesses are considering these types of threats, risks, and emergencies, they think about who needs to know if one of these threats are happening and what to do about it. So this aspect of communicating as soon as possible the dangers that are imminent um, or when you become aware of them, and then taking the right types of actions to protect your people and your assets in operations. That's what comes to mind. Yeah, that's a great segue into the next section of our discussion today, which is how important it is for the critical communication and collaboration needed in order for any one of these events or incidents to be properly managed. Can you go into a little bit of detail about how it is, how critical uh, communication and collaboration is when an event occurs? Well, as you know, if you think about, you know, when disaster strikes, when an emergency happens, when a crisis takes place, there's the phase of just acknowledging and knowing that, and that's triggering a certain response. The uh, the quicker that you inform your various teams, the emergency response team, your leadership, uh, 911, first responders, um, and emergency management, if it becomes that significant, your facilities, the better able uh, they, they can handle the, that crisis. That situational awareness of knowing what's happening, um, that becomes key. So that initial phase of the first minutes the first seconds, minutes, hours of response is really critical in terms of a crisis activation plan. Um, and then as that crisis develops, you know, the ongoing updates to let people know what's going on becomes important. So over time, whether you need to tell your employees, your partners, or others, um, the public, of what's happening, and even through your recovery stage, uh, as business comes back to normal, um, that level of coordination of the various response teams, the level of communication internally and externally becomes important. Yeah, that's a great point, Terry. So is it fair to say that the that speed matters and uh, the quicker someone may know about a situation, the quicker they can take actions to make themselves safer uh, the more positive the outcome is. For sure. And there are, you know, various 
protocols and tools in place that can support that. And the faster they act, the more prepared they are. So obviously, you know, to be able to respond to any number of emergency, you have to be prepared for them. And from, you know, every organization, I would expect they have some sort of emergency preparedness plan where they've gone through and assessed the risks and looked at the potential business impact and then put together sort of like a business continuity plan, a crisis management structure, and conducted some level of training or exercises to equip their response teams, but then to equip all their uh, employees if things were to happen. The better prepared you are, the better able you're to respond. The quicker you respond, the better your outcomes are. So a large part of responding to these crises is your preparation and your capabilities to respond. Yeah, let's go a little bit deeper. You're, you're speaking to the uh, FEMA's phases of emergency management, and uh, I've heard you say in the past that the four tenants, which are prepare, respond, recover, mitigate, are critically important to get those better outcomes. So let's talk a little bit about each one of those in a little deeper dive about em employees and companies, what they can do in the left of boom, if you will, the preparation piece. How, why is that so important? Obviously, you know, being prepared for any emergency allows you to have the tools, technologies, and protocols to appropriately handle every type of incident. And a, a critical communication system, such as a mass notification system, or you know, a mobile panic button or some employee safety app also allows for that notification process. You want to make sure that these systems and lines of communication are available so that uh, they should be part of your emergency preparedness checklist. And you ask yourself questions of, you know, do we have um, a crisis communication plan in place? Do we have the communication system tested? Do we know who is responsible for which aspect of the response so that they can be appropriately notified? And so all of these are aspects of being prepared. And then um, the, you know, related to that, are the protocols and guidance that are put in place. Many companies have binders of checklists, and if it's an active excellent, uh, you look at a checklist of locking down your facilities. Um, if it's a medical emergency, you have a different checklist. If it's uh, severe weather in terms of different types, you know, you have different checklists, and you have usually like a, a, tree, a call tree, um, but what technology can do, what a mass notification can do is kind of get you through those automated notifications and appropriately, you know, provide that immediate um, identification of an issue and get your response teams actively engaged, whether it's security personnel or your leadership, your employees or your facility managers, so that they can take appropriate action. Your points related to left of incident or left of boom in the preparation phase, you mentioned tools and, and technology. 
and then the protocols which are in place help companies to respond. But as you noted, it's critically important that all of this is properly and timely communicated. How does that then, from the preparation to the response, how does the preparation and response influence recover? Right. Well, as part of your preparation, you know, you want to make sure that you have the ability to segment groups and send them the types of alerts and, and messaging that they need in order to respond and quickly re restore operations to normal. So your facility team might need to know uh, where the incident happened, any information about um, you know, hazardous materials in the area or things like that. So by the, with the ability to segment amongst your groups, the types of alerts that are relevant and the information that they need to respond appropriately, that helps you to then get to recovery faster. The ability to collaborate during a response, you know, having two-way real-time communication also allows for the coordination of the multiple teams involved. You know, that may include 911, EMS, fire, um, law enforcement. Uh, the ability to all be on one conference bridge, you know, that allows you to have uh, constant updates of what's happening on site, who's doing what. A checklist of roles and responsibilities. So it's clear that who's taking on any given task, who's closing down the roads, um, who's informing um, you know, the fire officials, who's meeting them at the gate. Um, and then the accessibility of uh, the repository of information of contacts data or floor plans or hazmat procedures and having that available on your mobile phone so that as you're checking out equipment or checking out your facilities, you have that level of information on hand. Uh, that All of those things allow for the awareness that you need and also the guidelines of how to respond. And that gives you the ability to respond better and then recover more quickly. So as I hear you and our listeners hear you, it's uh, the right message at the right time to the right people in order for the response and recovery to have the best outcome. And then uh, that, that recovery period leads to mitigation. And, and how does a well-oiled machine, if you will, on the recovery uh, tenant of, of this uh, emergency management process, how does it influence the mitigation side? As, well, certainly at recovery is when you start to bring everything back to normal. You, you take stock of where your employees are. Um, you're getting them the medical attention they need if they need it. You have an assessment of, um, you know, how, what's impacted in your facilities. And with that, you can provide updates to your employees so that they know what the extent of the situation is, whether they can return back to the office, um, and how long that duration may be. You have this all recorded, so if you have the appropriate t tool, and I mentioned a mass notification tool, but if you also have a crisis management tool, 
that provides you a record of who's doing what at all times during your response efforts, during your recovery efforts. That allows you to understand uh, how you could be improving in the future so that in terms of mitigation, you can do an after action review of how you prepared, how you responded, how you recovered, and then finally how you could mitigate for future incidents. And it may show you that you need to improve your communication templates that you're sending out alerts, that you don't, you know, you may have missed certain teams or sub-teams in terms of the notifications that they needed, um, that some of your protocols need to be updated based on the learnings of this incident. So there's this kind of closed-loop cycle of improving on your overall emergency preparedness and response plans for future incidents and better outcomes. So the communications piece really crosses all of these areas. And I've, I've heard you say that it is really a full circle structure on communications that lead to better outcomes. It's kind of like the spine of the entire planning process. So if I'm a company and I'm listening to this, what are the critical areas that I should focus on to select that enabling technology, as you noted, as part of the preparation phase, which includes the tools and technology? What, what are those enabling technologies and, and what are the criteria that companies should be focused on in its use and selection? Sure. For critical communications, you would need a mass notification tool that gives you quick, reliable uh, communications and notifications to your teams. They need to be able to target specific groups, as we've mentioned, and they need to allow for two-way communications and also geo-targeted communications. Um, you could have a system throughout all your facilities, but if the incident really only impacts one of them, you want to be able to direct those notifications just to those impacted. We spoke about the ability to provide um, conference bridge types of capabilities so that responder teams can coordinate efforts. And then in the heat of the moment, what's really important is ease of use. You know, in just one, two, three steps, you should be able to have your message based on your template. You just check it out. Uh, you make sure that the modes of communication, whether it's text, email, voice, uh, via social media, you know, you, that you could quickly check off which modes um, would best reach your targeted audience. And then you want to be able to make sure you have the list available of who should be notified for each type of alert. And then in those three steps, you can then send your communication out. So that quick one, two, three ease of use is especially important when you're dealing with, um, when you're in the heat of the moment. Now related to that um, is just an understanding of, you know, is there any automation that would be helpful depending on the type of incident so that if there's a call in for an active shooter, you know, immediately there's an automation of various authorities that need to be called, your corporate security team, um, you know, a notification for lock, lock, lockdown across your employees. So a crisis management tool that allows you to sort of automate notifications 
by incident type would be useful. One that gives you, lets you just digitize your emergency response plans so that you can have these checklists of tasks that needs to be done per type of incident would be extremely helpful. They're situation specific, um, but yet they give guidance. And the protocols can then be followed, yet give you the flexibility to adapt to each situation. And then of course, um, you want to record and track the responses and actions so that you can review your after action so you can improve further and in some instances for compliance sake. So the combination of technologies of uh, mass notification and crisis management tools, that provides you with that speedy communication, yet the operational flexibility to adapt to a given situation, but accountability for actions and tracking of progress, and then you know keeping everyone coordinated uh, and in the know of what's going on to quickly get to a resolution, to quickly bring your people, your operations back into um, normal operations. Excellent points, Terry. And as, as you and I have spoken, uh, communications is the key. And uh, I think where we have seen some responses that have been uh, below expectations, it's probably related to the manner in which communications were either able to uh, resolve or provide information timely to those that needed it, uh, or it wasn't able to do that on a timely basis to the people that needed it when they needed it. That's critically important, as you know, in a crisis and in, in, uh, in, in these types of incidents. Uh, one area that, that I'd like, you know, the communication process, as you have rightly pointed out, is important in getting it right for the crisis events, the incidents, the security incidents, et cetera. But a, a best-in-class communications process or structure can also help companies in other ways. Can you talk a little bit about how important the ability to utilize this system, uh, the communication systems, the mass notification system is is something that can be used in, in frankly, mm -hmm. everyday life. Right. What we found is many businesses are looking for a mass notification tool for those types of crisis events and emergencies. But as they've used it and applied it uh, in their operations, they found that there are a number of ways that they could use it on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, these we call more of uh, operational messaging. It could, during COVID, for example, we had customers use it for employee COVID health checks. Um, we've had HR teams use it in order to give um, information about, you know, uh, HR enrollment periods. Um, more importantly, it's often used to provide, you know, site notifications, um, where there are road closures, for example. And so there are, uh, even for drills that are conducted um, or safety types of training, you can send some uh, notifications there. Uh, we've had manufacturers and other uh, healthcare organizations use it in terms of uh, staffing for shifts. Um, and so there are a number of 
other types of uses that make it um, something that you're familiar with on a day-to-day -day basis. So should the event, something happens on a crisis, you're familiar with this system and you can use it moving forward. And it's very familiar to you. So it's making sure that um, you know your employees know which are emergency types of communications and more of the operational, and you can make that very clear and distinct. And then you can allow different parts of your, organiz your organization use it uh, in different ways to communicate and engage with your workforce. Yes, Terry, uh, an important point. And the everyday use, obviously, the mass communication system needs to be proficient in a crisis and an incident, no question. Uh, but the everyday use is an important component part of it as well, because it may assist organizations with defining what that return on investment is. Uh, it's it's not just used, uh, you know, hopefully never, but maybe once a year. It's used uh, throughout the needs of the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. And l let me ask you this. So you've talked on uh, today ab about a lot of different areas and, and specifically some of the criteria that companies should focus on uh, in selecting or using a, a mass notification system. Uh, I'll throw this out, uh, and, and I'd love to have your comment on this. You know, what, one of the uh, criteria that you touched on was ease of use. And if it's not easy to use, it probably doesn't get used. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I, I actually do agree with that. Um, it has to be reliable and easy uh, and performant for that type of incident. Um, you know, as, as we discussed before, it needs, to, it needs to be the right message to the right people at the right time. And... Um, you need to ensure that with that ease of use. And if it's easily used and trained to, and the not only the administrators who are proficient in it, but anybody else in the organization that needs to use it finds it's easy to use, then it gets used not only in a crisis, but also in everyday use, as you noted. And I think that's one of the, one of the more critical components when companies are looking to make that decision or change from one system to another, how easy is it for anybody who needs to use it to use it? And I think you've noted uh, the other examples and how important it is, uh, not only for a crisis incident, but also for everyday use. Uh, let, let, me, let me ask uh, our, our final question, uh, Terry, on today's podcast. Um, what what is it about your technology that uh, that that will provide these criteria that we discussed today? Sure, I think that um, as a company, our mission is in terms of safety, right? We believe that you know keeping communities, organizations, and businesses safe is paramount to enabling them to run operations and run their businesses and that the technology we provide enables for that. So what we look for is what, you know, we started with the question of what keeps 
you up at night. You know, it, as, as you're running your organization, if you're in risk management, emergency management, corporate security, HR, uh, in a leadership role, what kind of things keeps you up at night? And how do we address and uh, enable you to make sure that you're doing everything you can to protect your people, to keep your operations running? And with that lens, is that's how we build our technology, that it's matched to your needs and the pain points that you have. So all the um, capabilities of being performant, um, being reliable, uh, being easy to use, getting the right message to the right people, which means the ability to segment groups, to geo-target groups, to have targeted messaging, uh, to be as prepared as possible, so to have templates in place, uh, to have uh, checklists that are digitized to enable you to respond better. All of those are in response to helping to support this emergency preparedness and response process, so that every phase of you know prepare, preparation, response, recover, and mitigation that we're providing the tools and technologies to help you do that as easily as possible. I think that as a suite and as a platform of tools, um, that enabling technology is supports our customers and allows them to derive the ROI and the benefits from it. Thank you, Terry, for joining me on my podcast today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Terry Mock is with Brave Mobile Safety, the leading provider of critical communication and collaboration technology used to save lives, manage crisis incidents, and increase resiliency. Rain offers risk intelligence solutions to more than 400 leading corporations, government agencies, and academic institutions. They turn to Rain for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Learn about us at rainnetwork.com. Thanks for listening.